Hey folks, David Dean, Middle America. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about freedom. It seems that a lot of people on social media that I come into contact with really don't know what freedom is. Uh, they, th they think we're like the freest, the freedom, freest country in the world. Uh, and that's kind of far from the truth anymore. What freedom is, is the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint, absence of subjection to foreign domination or despotic government, the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved, the state of being physically unrestricted and able to move easily, the state of not being subject to or affected by government policies, the power of self-determination attributed to the will, the quality of being an independent of fate or necessity, Unrestricted use of something. Freedom. That's what freedom is. Do we have freedom anymore? I don't believe we do. And there's lots of reasons why. But, uh, <clears throat> but Fox News had a little roundtable discussing how we dropped to 20th in freedom. When it comes to freedom, our country is doing a little bit worse, sadly. That's according to a new report that rates freedom in countries around the world. Here's a list of the top 10. Notice the United States, not on the list. Number one, Hong Kong, where police repeatedly cracked down on pro-democracy protests last year. The UK is ninth. The United States, all right, we had to put it on there. It didn't fit, but we squeezed it on there. 20th on that list, down from 17th last year. The study's authors blame the drop on the steady growth of government, increased business regulations, invasions of privacy through the wars on drugs and on terror, and seizures of property through eminent domain. Hmm. Uh, by the way, another thing, not to put Trump back in the conversation, but he said he, he plans to roll back Dodd-Frank, uh, all talking about all those financial regulations that have been hard on the United States. But what do you make of this, Julie? Are we that much worse off today? No, well, look, this is the Cato Institute was one of the people that's one of the organizations that did the study, and they have a very political viewpoint. They obviously are, are libertarian minded. So to them, this is what makes freedom or not freedom. Look, I'm not libertarian. I will say I think our drug laws are insane. Um, and one of the other things that they mentioned, you know, the, the way we search and seizure. I mean, they have a point about certain aspects of this. But if you look, it's a very political definition of what constitutes freedom. Freedom to the Cato Institute, who are one of the, as I said, one of the people in the study, mm. is very different than freedom to others. John, are we are we that much less free than those other 19 countries on the list? Oh, I don't think we're any less free than people in, in Chile are. I think there's some subjective aspect to that measurement. But I, I think post 9-11, a lot of our freedoms have eroded. And some cases necessarily mm. so. In some cases, perhaps it's a bit of overreach. But I am troubled by being number 20 on that list, politically or not, because the country that I grew up in, Canada, is number six. Mm -hmm. And I moved to the United States back mm -hmm. in 1989, believing that this was the greatest country in the world. And well, to see it fall to number 20 on those rankings. Well, we got to fix it because we don't want you to go back to Canada. <laughs> we love Canada. They won't, have like, me, they won't have me back. Oh, goodness, no. what'd you do? Uh, <laughs> you know what's interesting about this to me when you kind of look at the indices that they looked at for this? 
when you just compare where we were a couple of years ago at 17 to 20, we're sliding in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're anesthetized to the fact that we need to fix this. Look at the huge conversation that they had inside Congress about the NSA and the snooping program and so on. So you talk about a presidential candidate who was perhaps put on um, public display for a while there with 10 and a half hours on the Senate floor, Rand Paul. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a, a central discussion in this country for a while about being snooped on. And the whole world saw that on display. All of our business just out there laid to... And Rand Paul was right business, about that. I mean, Sandra, you cover this every single day. More and more regulations on businesses that feel strangled. Everywhere you turn, there's another environmental re uh, regulation. Yep. Here in New York, I can't even get a big soda. And I can't even bring a damn cupcake into school Ooh. nowadays or a ding-dong because there's too much sugar in it. I mean, I do think there's something to the study. There has been an attack on business in this country. I, I always use the phrase, we have created a very business unfriendly environment and people have come here for a long time looking for a better position looking to build a business start a family business that's changing now people are looking outside of the united states i mean look at our corporate tax rate it's the highest in the world in some cases it's it's and again that's another that should be another big talk this will make donald trump so happy he doesn't need to build the wall now apparently nobody's going to want to come here according to what you're saying i, still I am, I am troubled though that you would bring a ding dong or a ho-ho into a school you can't bring it to my can you believe school? that? That's true. You couldn't bring it to on school? Said the liberal. Can't right. bring can't. sugar and cupcakes into nope. schools. That's you insane. Can't. I agree. Can you imagine uh, back in the day, now, when I went to school, you know, we packed the lunch. We didn't, you know, buy a lunch at school because they sucked. So, I mean, even a bologna sandwich was better than what they served at school. So my mom would make us a bologna or ham sandwich and throw some cookies or a, a, a cupcake or some treat, you know, to her, it was like a, a sign of love. You know, here, here's your bologna, here's a ham sandwich, and here's a here's a treat. And then, you know, we buy our milk or whatever the case might be. Can you imagine that? All those kids that used to bring that stuff to school, and you can't bring that to school. And I'll tell you what, my parents would be in that school demanding that they had the freedom to pack their kids' lunch the way they wanted to. Uh, that's just one of the many little freedoms that, you know, we're losing here and there. And it's not just us. It's also the press. The press uh, plummeted down to, what was it, 46th in freedom of the press? According to a new report from the uh, Reporters Without Borders, there was a profound erosion of press freedom in the United States in 2013. After a year of attacks on whistleblowers and digital journalists and revelations about mass surveillance, the United States plummeted 13 spots in the group's global press freedom rankings to number 46. Reporters Without Border writes that the U.S. faced one of the most significant declines in the world last year. Even the United Kingdom, whose sustained campaign to criminalize the Guardian's reporters and intimidate journalists, have made headlines around the world, dropped only three spots to number 33. The U.S. fell as many spots as Paraguay, where the pressure on journalists to censor themselves keeps on mounting. Now, citing the Justice Department's aggressive prosecution of whistleblowers. Now, a whistleblower is someone that says, this guy's doing something wrong, and I'm going to tell you about it, and you're going to handle it. Well, instead of that, they're looking to prosecute these whistleblowers, including uh, a secret seizure of Associated Press phone records. The authors write that the freedom of information is often too uh, sacrificed to be overlay broad and um, abusive interpretation of national security needs, marking a disturbing retreat from the democratic process. Investigative journalists also suffer as a result. The threats facing news gathering in the U.S. are felt by both 
longstanding journalist like the New York Times national security reporter James Risen, who may serve time in jail for refusing to reveal a source, and non-traditional digital, uh, digital journalists like Barrett Brown. Brown is a freelance journalist who has uh, reported extensively on private intelligence firms and government contractors. He now faces more than 100 years in jail for being linked to a stolen document as part of his reporting, even though he had no involvement with the actual theft. So we're losing our freedoms little by little. They're eroding away, and you may or may not understand why. Well, I'm going to try to explain it to you a little bit by little bit. I don't know if it's uh, going to sink in, but I'd like you to share this little video or audio, this podcast, with you know friends, neighbors, kids, grandkids, so they can see what it was and what it is today and, and understand that you know we're not as free as people think we are. Back when uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the cabinet was first formed, uh, George Washington appointed four people. The Secretary of the State was Thomas Jefferson. The Secretary of Treasury was Ad- Alexander Hamilton. And the Secretary of War, Henry Cox. And, of course, the Attorney General was Edmund uh, Randolph. That was it. That was, our, uh, that was the federal government right there. <laughs> that was it. You know? Now what do we have? Well, we have the Secretary of State. We now have the Secretary of Treasury, which, you know, I don't see a problem there. Secretary of Defense, Attorney General, I don't see any problems with any of those. Because, you know, we have to have a monetary system. Secretary of State, we have to have people that rep, you know, represent our country overseas. Secretary of Defense, we have to have somebody that protects us. We'll go to, you know, we'll, we'll go to war or we'll go to peace, whatever the case might be. We have to have Attorney General. But do we need the Secretary of Interior, where they have, like, the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, confiscating other people's properties? Uh, time and time again, they go out and just steal property. Here's a report. Most people think the border between Texas and Oklahoma is the Red River. Unfortunately, it's a little more complicated than that, especially along the part of the river where Tommy Henderson and his family ranch. Tommy lost a lawsuit 30 years ago that moved part of the northern Texas border over a mile to the south. The Bureau of Land Management took 140 acres of his property and didn't pay him one cent. Now they want to use his case as precedent to seize land along a 116-mile stretch of the river. But they're wanting to take the boundaries that the courts placed here and extend those east and west to the forks of the river north of Vernon and east down to the 98th meridian, which is about 20 miles east of us. BLM, which oversees public land in the United States, claims this land never belonged to Texas. The Texas landowners who have lived and cared for this land for hundreds of years beg to differ. But BLM plans to take the land anyway. Property owners will be forced to spend money on lawsuits to keep what is theirs. For many, the property has been in their family for generations. How can BLM come in and and say, hey, this isn't yours, even though it was patented from the state? You've always paid taxes on it. Our family's paid taxes for over 100 years on this place. We've got a deed to it. But yet, they walked in and said it wasn't ours. Ever since the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, there has been controversy over where Oklahoma ends and Texas begins. In layman's terms, the boundary is the vegetation line on the south side of the Red River. Over time, the river moves. This movement north towards Oklahoma is the sticking point. The sandy soils erode in a process called accretion, which wipes out the bank. So the property line follows the river. But BLM claims that the river moved by another process called avulsion. With avulsion, the land may be changed by flood or currents, but the property line isn't. 
So BLM claims when the river moved back north, the property line stayed put. It doesn't help that Oklahoma defines avulsion differently than Texas and the U.S. Originally here the river was out there where it is now and it eroded and accreted up to here and then it eroded and accreted back. Well their interpretation is that it eroded up to here but evolved back. So when you listen to them it's always erosion to the south because the property line follows it then but it's always avulsion when it goes north. So the boundary can move south, but it can never move back north. About 90,000 acres could be seized by BLM, disappearing across a new state line. If they are allowed to take the land, it could also affect farmers and ranchers downriver, like Scott Carpenter, who ranches north of Nocona. BLM couldn't take his land, but there would be nothing to stop his neighbor across the river from claiming some of Scott's property belonged to him. That's just one of the reasons Scott wants to help. We have numerous places that's been in our family for over a hundred years and you hate to see that land that that people's worked hard for you would lose you know as producers we're always on the defense we have to make decisions to try to help uh, ourselves help one another both ranchers have been in contact with u.s congressman mac thornberry who is working to help stop the land grab tommy's land probably won't be affected this time and he's hoping what happened to him won't happen to his fellow landowners can you believe that the hell's the BLM got to do with taking somebody's land? 90,000 acres? The hell's up with that? I mean, the federal government just walks in and says, whip, I'm going to take your land. For what? What are you going to do with it? You're going to manage it? What are you going to do with it? You're going to pay taxes on it? What the hell are you going to do with it? You know, why are they going in and taking Americans' land? This guy's, these people's families been on this land over 100 years, paying taxes on it for 100 years. They got a deed on it for over 100 years. Who the hell's the federal government to come in and take it? Freedom? You call that freedom? See, what happens, folks, is you get these presidents, they're in charge of all the cabinet positions, all of them. Secretary of Agriculture, Commerce, Labor, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development. And they all have their handouts one way or another. Uh, the EPA, they all have their handout to, to, to grab something. And what happens is they're all under the president's domain, the executive branch. So if, it, so if the president has an agenda, uh, say with this clown, you know, it's all about you know, climate change, and he's going to change everything so it works in climate change, and hopefully the next president will just bitch slap everybody and say, wake the hell up. CO2 is not a pollutant. Without it, we'd be Mars. So I'm hoping that the next president will undo all this bullshit. But let's take another example. How about the EPA? Uh, walking in on people and just, you know, overstepping their bounds. Now, when Nixon brought the EPA up, it was basically a clean air, clean water, and the only water they were in charge of was navigable water, you know, where you could take boats and ships down. So now what happens? Listen to this report. Right now, the feds are going after a man for building a pond on his own property. The EPA threatening to fine him $75,000 a day unless he drains the water and restores the land. Alicia Acuna is live in Denver with our ongoing series, It's Your Land. Alicia? Hi, Patty Ann. Andy Johnson and his wife built this pond in 2011. The Wyoming State Engineer's Office gave him a permit and told him he didn't have any more hoops to go through until the Environmental Protection Agency got involved. I love the work that we put into it and to know that my husband was able to build something like this. Now you can see bald eagles here. We have moose come down. 
uh, you know, four and five pound brown trout live in this. Uh, it's just been a tremendous environmental benefit. In January, the EPA told Johnson because he didn't get a permit with the Army Corps of Engineers, he violated the Federal Clean Water Act, in part because Six Mile Creek, which feeds other waterways, runs through it. They're alleging that I've, you know, altered the navigable water, which is the Green River, which is more than 100 miles from me. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. EPA gave Johnson 30 days to dismantle the pond or face fines of 75,000 a day. In a statement to Fox News, the agency said in part, EPA's primary goal in Clean Water Act cases is to work cooperatively with landowners to remedy violations. We are hopeful that we will be able to do so in this case. In a joint March 12 letter to the EPA, Senate Environment and Public Works Committee Chair David Bitter and Wyoming's two senators wrote, rather than a sober administration of the Clean Water Act, the compliance order reads like a draconian edict of a heavy-handed bureaucracy. Now, Patty Ann, the Johnsons say that they have told the EPA they're not paying these fines and they're also not going to tear down the pond. They say they're in a battle, they're going to fight it. Patty Ann. Mm. All right, Alicia Acuna, live in Denver. Thanks. So what do you think of that? What do you think of that? Think about it. Think about it. You go to your... I'm sure they went to their local uh, zoning board or the local uh, board and basically, you know, can I build a pond here? And they said, yeah, but now you got to talk to the county to make sure the county said it's cool. So I went to the county and the county looked at everything. Yeah, 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 okay, that looks cool. Go ahead, do it and knock yourself out. So they go to the state and the state says, yeah, that's it, you're done. You know, you're done. So who the hell's the federal government to come in and say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the state should be the supreme leader of the state, not the federal government. Federal government stepping on toes that they have no right to step on. So, again, freedom, folks, freedom. The bigger the government, the smaller your freedom. As simple as that. I mean, the Constitution clearly states that the Fed's role is only to provide for the common defense, manage foreign affairs, protect citizens' constitutional rights, and establish federal courts. That's basically it. That's basically all these other nonsense, all these other cabinet positions. I'm sorry. Secretary of Labor, Human Services, Housing and Urban Development. There, there's another one. Uh, there's another one that uh, is, is out of control. So, um, let's see, Urban Development. Yeah, here, here. They want to do zoning. They want to redo zoning in your local neighborhood. Isn't the zoning department by, in your local neighborhood good enough? Why do you need the federal government come in to zone where you live? Using his power of the purse, Congress can stop what might be the most disturbing social engineering project ever undertaken by the federal government. Last week, House Republicans pushed an amendment to a HUD spending bill that defunds enforcement of the agency's new affirmatively furthering fair housing rule. The Orwellian-sounding regulation set for a final okay in October will force some 1,200 municipalities to redraw zoning maps to racially diversify suburban neighborhoods. Hello. Under the scheme, HUD plans to map every U.S. neighborhood by race and publish geo, geospe, uh, boy, geospatial data, pinpointing racial imbalances. Areas deemed overly segregated will be forced to change their zoning laws to allow construction of subsidized or other affordable housing to bring more low-income minorities into white neighborhoods. Have you ever heard of such nonsense? 
So I build a $500,000 home in this beautiful section of town, and they're going to put in some low-income housing because there's not enough blacks in the neighborhood? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now, I mean, that might sound a little racial, but that's just ridiculous. Why would you want to devalue my property value by putting in low-income housing? What the hell's the matter with this country? Whatever happened to getting them off your dead ass and make, doing something? You know, people that have money, the only reason they have money because they're working 60, 80 hours a week. They're not working 40 hours for somebody else making money. They're out there working for themselves. So for someone to say, well, geez, you know, it's not fair that, you know, you're in this high-income neighborhood that pays high taxes, uh, that we're going to put some low-income family in there, uh, low-income housing in there, excuse me, uh, and... And what? Devalue the, your property? Devalue the property taxes that are taken in by your local government? I mean, none of it just makes any sense to me at all. Again, why is the federal government sticking its nose in local government's business? It's simple as that. Again, freedom, my ass. Uh, we, we just don't have it anymore. It's gone. It's simple as that. So when you think about the federal government doing things for you, I suggest you start thinking the federal government is doing things to you, okay? Please take the time and do your own research. Uh, You can look up the coal and steel industry, how the EPA has made these standards so high and so ridiculous they're taking coal out of the equation. And I don't know if you've gone by any coal uh, electrical plants lately where coal is used to make electricity. All I ever see coming out of them is steam. I don't see black soot coming out of them anymore. So why do they want to you know, mess with the CO2 levels again? Again, CO2 is not a pollutant. It's not a pollutant. So um, just do some research how the EPA is killing uh, the coal and steel industry because the steel uses coal to make steel. And the EPA is being urged on by who? Who? Come on now. That would be right, the president. So again, all these different little cabinet officials' uh, levels are being controlled by the executive branch, who's the president. So all these people are making up their own rules and regulations as they go along, leaving out who? Who? Congress. Bet you didn't know that. No, you didn't know that. Congress is the one that's supposed to make the laws, not these departments. So we're in a heap of trouble. I thank you for listening. And, and again, I hope you share this with your family, friends, and even people that disagree with you. Freedom, freedom.